Um, I got put on Prozac, like literally, because I had to, because I had to like just zombie out for a period right. of time. My body couldn't like take what I was going through anymore. I was jogging nine miles every day, jeez, um, barefoot because I was a barefoot runner back then. <laughs> so I was literally like, I had a big mohawk um, that I had shaved. I had a giant beard. I just literally looked insane. I was drinking right. nonstop. I would, I would drink, and then I'd run nine miles barefoot and then I would smoke a bunch of cigarettes and just like jerk off until I went to sleep and that was kind of how I just got through it was just it was a lost period of time I don't really remember right. a lot of stuff from that period because it was so incredibly stressful. you were trying to shut off your brain I was 100% trying to shut off my yeah. brain hi welcome to leaving the tribe this is our my very first episode doing this show uh thank you those who came over uh from mean boys my other podcast um basically what this show is is every week i bring in a guest who is part of a religion um system a certain way of thinking and they decided to leave it and um uh, their process of getting out of it and 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 making a change. Uh, the very first episode. This is the very first episode with Jace Avery. Um, follow follow him on uh, social media at Jace Avery. Please do. And um, it's a really 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 good episode. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, there's a lot of really interesting people that I've already talked to and have geared up to do this show, and I'm very excited to do it and share it with you guys because it's something I'm interested in. It's something I, I'm still trying to piece together my own life, and uh, I decided, like, you know what? Maybe, uh, maybe a, a, a decent way to do this if I want to have these conversations. Do it as a podcast, and I'm really glad I did. Uh, and Jace was a phenomenal first guest. Um, this started because of a road gig we did together out in Central California. We started talking about this stuff, and this became a continuation of it. And uh, I'm really thankful that we had that experience, and I'm really thankful that uh, you guys are going to listen to the show now. So thank you very much you can follow me on social media at goss 6 twitter and instagram give me a follow and please enjoy the very first episode of leaving the tribe uh, i want to say this up top you are one of my favorite comedians oh thank you and i think one of the funniest people oh thank you who does not get booked enough <laughs> i don't yeah i don't really get booked at all i try not to complain about it because i don't want to be an asshole i you know it's, it's yeah. mostly my fault because i don't ask to do anything and i'm trying to get better about that yeah but. you should because i think you're you're very you're well, very funny well, thanks and, buddy yeah i'm gonna have a panic attack with you <laughs> oh saying, saying nice nice things yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. can't i can't handle it i just oh down. no i do too yeah. I, I i i reject the concept of positivity towards me right which is you know so yeah no I, when people give me compliments especially mm. about f like comedy i've gotten better about right if it's a physical compliment 
I instantly think they're making fun of me. Yeah. Well, I think it's 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 a, a hidden. Yeah. yeah. My all f- my physical comments, I always like because I'm like a big like if you don't you don't know me on the if you're listening to the podcast, but I'm like six five. So I'm like a big guy. Yeah, you 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 are. Yeah, yeah. Like, I look like a football player. So people always come me. They're like, you're so like, you know, like if I get a compliment, it's like you're so like big and like manly. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just a fat piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I can never take a cop. But like what I was first start- starting to do well at comedy People be like, that was a great set. I'd be like, oh no, you're like still like I was insulting people almost like, oh you're stupid, I suck. Yeah, I- no, I still do that. Like if 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 it's a bad room and I have like a decent set for the room yeah. and then someone's like, oh good set, I'm like, do you? It do was you? fucking trash. What are you talking? <laughs> what, what the fuck is what what, what they're doing? Are you did, are you just trying to? I think people are right. bu- trying to buddy up with me or something. Yes, and, and that's like. And maybe here's the thing: if I really think about it, there's nothing wrong with someone trying to be nice because they right. like you as a person and they know you're funny. Yeah, but you have deep-seated trust issues. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're, you're abs- judging anybody coming. Do you have the thing where I will, if I do really, really well in like a room that, like, if I pop in a room that hasn't popped necessarily? Yeah. Um, like the few occasions that'll happen, I get, I feel bad afterwards like i feel really like, i don't get that i don't feel like guilty i feel embarrassed that the attention is now on me because like i know i did the best and everybody's like wow that guy did a really good job and now i don't like i don't people are like gonna like t- talk to me about right. it and i get really nervous and usually i just leave the room <laughs> so <laughs> well, people think i'm a double that's, asshole yeah that's why that's another reason you're not getting booked yeah. is when you give them reason to you just drive away yeah that's, I know. yeah yeah no it's, i don't think you're an asshole for that like yeah. i get that i don't get that mm-hmm. i don't do that but i get that impulse right uh yeah what well, i think you know what it is is i think mm-hmm. Because I think I was pretty young in comedy when I started having those sets. Right. And so people would shock it up. Like, a lot of people would tell me, like, oh, you got luck. There was, like, a three-month yeah. period where so many bookers were like, ooh, you got the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And then finally someone said that when I opened up the show, like, I, I did the host <laughs> spot. Yeah, the hardest job And someone comedy. said that, and I was just like, I, I kind of turned into a dick. And this person right. had no idea that this was months of it building. I was just on a hot streak, and I was just like, yeah, maybe I'm fucking making the sweet spot. Like, I just started freaking out on him right was this an oc when you no. started oh when i started yeah yeah yeah, yeah it started in oc yeah i had the same thing because i started in austin and the austin scene is extremely clicky um like they just don't like if you, if you haven't been there a while they don't fuck with you right um and they're also not like horrifically like in austin like all the people who moved to la i think are generally very funny yeah um, that's yeah. not me doing a pr campaign right now uh <laughs> but the people who like stayed in austin they're just like a lot of them just aren't funny and so like when i started out i was like writing jokes for 10 years before i started doing comedy yeah and so i started out and i started doing really well and people were like what are you like three four years in i was like oh no this is my second open mic and people would get furious at me people yeah. would get like pissed off oh no i i've i had that i had a similar experience where i was on on the road i think it was i think it was in I'm not sure. I don't remember where it was, but I remember the interaction where uh-huh. I closed out a show. I had a great set. This comic who'd been doing it much longer than me was like, "Oh, what was this?" He was very much buddying up to me, very complimentary. It's mm-hmm. like, "How how how long have you been doing it?" And I was like, "Uh, two years." <laughs> and he just turned around and walked away from yeah. me, and I was just like, "I don't know what you yeah. what." 
fuck you. Like yeah. I could have lied. That doesn't. You, what, what do you want me to? Sure. You, you know. You know. Yeah. Am I actually? A lot of people don't know this because I only count. I only count for why I did it consistently. But uh, oh yeah, same. Like I yeah, I did the first time when I was like eighteen, and then like took three years off. I yeah. was I was fourteen. The Jesus first time Christ. Uh, it was at a Buddhist talent show, <laughs> <laughs> in front of like four hundred people. Right, and well, it went you, great. And did, then I didn't have a. I did it like a couple times a year until I was twenty. Right. And then I didn't have a good another good set till I was like twenty one. Right. <laughs> you know. Did you do a bunch of Buddhist related jokes like? I did some, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like give it up. I can't hear your one hand clapping or something <laughs> stupid like that. There was there was a lot of there was a lot of like, oh, you think you could make you you think you give my mom a hard time in hell? She'll try to make <laughs> everybody Buddhist, right? Yeah. Uh, I had the same thing. I I preached that because I grew up in the Christian church, which is right. You know, what are yeah? We're gonna talk. What about we're gonna it. talk yeah, about? Yeah. Not to jump into it, but. Uh, so I started preaching. We were, we volunteered at an old folks home uh-huh. every weekend and we would do church service. And it was funny. So I'd be like 13 and I was supposed to preach. Uh, so I'm like giving life advice to 88 year old. That's great. Like people who are f- these people in the church, too. These or? are people who were in the uh, old folks home um, who couldn't make it to church because they were just so gotcha, old. Gotcha. But they were literally like people who like stormed the beach at Normandy. <laughs> And I'm like fattily going up there as a 14 year old and be like, Jay, you, you know, you should be kind to people and stuff like that. It's like it's this man, so funny. this man gunned down like 40 Vietnamese guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking yeah. crazy. You said, uh, you said before we dive into it, you uh-huh. said you you went on, oh yeah, a date last night. Yeah, I wanted to get into it because it was just it's it's the weirdest date I've ever been. I kind of have like a serial dating problem in a way. Oh, really? Well, I, I, just, I didn't know that about Not like you. crazy. I mean, I'm probably being hypercritical of myself, but I go on a lot of just like dates. You hypercritical, <laughs> you think? Yeah, we'll get into the whole yeah. reason I'm like this. Uh, but I go I go on kind of a lot of dates just because I like doing it. You know, it's kind of almost like a stand-up type of thing, you know, winning somebody over and being charming yeah. and interesting and... Sometimes I have sex, which is cool. Yeah. I never go into it with just trying to get laid. I'm always trying to date somebody, but then it just never works out. Yeah. Because I have mental problems and I attract mental ill people. Yeah. Like a moth to a light. But anyway, I was on a date with a lady and she seemed normal on the internet. And so I I go on a date with her and she just had just giant titties. And uh, that's that was a that was good for me. Like I was excited to go on a date with her because she's so attractive. Uh And she seemed like an interesting person. Um, and then I go on the date with her and she just starts, uh, we go to equal parts where smog cutter used to be. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. And like Virgil, they used to have a mic there. Uh, yeah, no, I remember that mic. Uh, and so she starts getting really drunk right away. Uh, she keeps ordering hands. She's yelling at me cause I'm not drinking enough. Like uh-huh. I drove there, so I'm not trying to get drunk or anything. Right. She like makes me down. There's so much happened. I don't know how to describe it. She makes me down like a whiskey Coke, like. Just yelling at me. And I'm such a nice boy. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And then she, um, 20 minutes in the day, she told me that she was raped like a year ago. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just what? trying to be cool. And then it gets much worse. And then, like, so that's 20 minutes in the day, 25 minutes that's into the day. That's 20 minutes in? 20 minutes in. 20 oh, minutes no. in. Oh, no. She's not ready to get back out there, man. <laughs> Oh, I, no. I think she has like borderline personality disorder or something because her face would keep shifting. Like she would be like she would start crying. 25 minutes in, she started crying. 
And then I'm like, are you okay? And then she would like pop out of it and be like, I'm fine. How are you? And like her voice would change and her facial expressions would change. Oh, boy. Like automatically. Um, at like 30 minutes into the day, she made me promise that she's like, I'm going to get really, really drunk tonight because she kept drinking. And I was like, well, let's slow down. You seem like you're drinking really quick. And uh, she goes, I'm going to get really drunk. I need you to promise me tonight that you're not going to rape me if I get really drunk. And I was like, okay, I, pro- I promise that to rape <laughs> I was like, that wasn't really on the agenda for me. Um, and I'm just like kind of, I'm starting to get scared. Uh, uh, at one point she told me sh- she makes 30000 more dollars a year than me. Um, then she told me I was an idiot for believing in God for so long. Um, <laughs> then she started crying again. What else? I can't remember exactly all what happened. Like it just kept, there's more and more crazy. There, right, right. And I'm getting like drunk. I'm like in a fog. I'm getting scared, honestly. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like how do i get out of this and like about like four like 15 minutes into the day you probably also don't want to hurt her feelings because no i don't like yeah sounds like she's going through a lot and now she's just dumping it all on you and you thought you were gonna and she's have a drink with the hot girl and yeah she's so hot in the back of my head i want to fuck her so bad um and i'm so fucked up in the back of my head i'm like i could probably make this work i could like (laughs) take care of this person For at least a couple months, uh, and about 50 minutes into the day, it kept getting weirder. Like I'm literally forgetting everything because it was so yeah. much in such a short. You started at 25 minutes in the day, then 20. Now yeah. you're at 15 minutes into the day, and she would go from crying to joyous to yeah. trying to fuck me, like you know, like putting her hands on me to like don't rape me. Like it was just like this weird cycle, and then it eventually got to the point where. I think he, she could finally sense through her like f- like crazy fog that I was like sh- she was Terrified? weirding me out. Yeah. So she goes, "Do you like me?" And I and I go, "I don't. We've been on a date for like forty five minutes. I don't know you." And she's like, "Well, well, I got my answer." And I'm like, "I'm sorry. I just don't know you. I mean, you might. Yeah. I might like you. I don't. I don't know. We have to keep talking." Right. And she's like, "Okay, I got my answer." And she goes, "Tell me you like me. Or I'm going to leave." And I'm like, "I I can't. I don't know you." And she's like, "All right. You got anything to say?" And I was just like. I just stared blankly ahead <laughs> and she and she was like, OK. And she like called up her whiff and like put her big titties away and <laughs> put it like her jacket on and left. And I was like, I was so scared like she was going to like glass me with like she was staring like hate at me. Yeah. So I was terrified she was like going to glass me with a bottle or like fucking like I'm going to go to my car and she's going to be in the back seat. or like she's going to tell a cop I raped her or some shit. So yeah, I literally went to the. Not to make a grand statement about that, but you know what I mean. Um, she's just crazy, and so I'm right. worried. Um, so I literally went to the bartender, and I'm like, "Hey, man, I never do this. I'm really sorry, but just remember, my name's Jace Avery. <laughs> it is 9:05 p.m. <laughs> February the what, like 16th or whatever. I am here. The woman left, and then I'm glad I talked to him because he goes, "Oh yeah, she seemed crazy because she went to close out her tab." And she's like, yeah, I was on a bad day. I was on the first date. It didn't go well. I was raped a year ago. He didn't want to support me through that. She told the bartender that, like, in a 10-second conversation. Yeah. And then I called my buddy Ryan Shoemaker, who lives around the corner. I'm like, Ryan, you got to meet me. at the. I need as many witnesses as possible. Yeah. So I hung out with him for 20 minutes, said goodbye to the bartender. I'm like, okay, it's nine. It's now 945. You see me leaving this bar <laughs> with my friend. So good night. Uh and it was just, yeah, it was just crazy. Yeah. Ah, uh, oh, man. That, that, uh, that, I'm not going to lie. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was so hot. She was, had such big titties. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but I kind of I kind of attract uh, uh, like a mentally ill person. I feel like. Well, you have a friendly face. Yeah, a friendly and, face. Yeah, and I think the church, back to the church, kind of taught me to, uh, you know, take care of other people. So I, I right. naturally tend to develop a codependent. Right. Uh, type relationship. Well, yeah. So what um, what church were you? You were very religious. Right. When you were younger. Yeah. What what was what was the what was the organization? What was religion? It was called. So I always tell I think, you know, we talked about this on a trip to Fresno. We did. You're yeah. actually I, I, I should bring this up. You're uh-huh. one of the reasons I decided to do this podcast. Oh, really? yeah, yeah. On on that car trip. I mean, it took me a while to actually piece together. Sure. I was going to do this. I had a lot of I- ideas. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't think I don't think anyone's I don't think this has really been done. And this is very going to be a very different energy from what I typically do right but it was interesting because there were a lot of concept that you brought up that i thought i was very alone with right and i was like oh other people this isn't this isn't just me other yeah. people because we basically talked for like 10 hours yeah, yeah we talked the car ride up and the car ride back yeah, it's like a five hour drive yeah um, so the, the, you were you were i'd say one of like the three or four people i was like I'm, i think i'm gonna i'm gonna see i'm gonna see how this goes right let's, let's see what you know sure yeah, I could say the same thing about like you guys and Mean Boys and everything was one of the reasons like I'm starting a podcast now. Yeah, but what but, but, but real quick, yeah. social media, the podcast, where can people oh, find you? Oh, I don't really I post on Twitter, but I, I installed this algorithm that deletes all my tweets after a week, which okay. I kinda like. It's like an Instagram story. Okay. So you can find me on Twitter at Jace Avery and Instagram, but uh we're starting a new podcast, uh me and my brother and Noah Fenling. Yeah. Are starting a podcast. Funny guys. Yeah, yeah, very funny guys. Uh we're starting a podcast called Nanner's Time. Okay. N A N N E R S. And it's about Gwen um, Stefani. Yeah, it's about it's the only Gwen Stefani. Well, it's probably the third Gwen Stefani yeah. themed podcast. She's, she's got a lot of podcasts. Yeah, she's very hot. Um I'm just the hornest guy <laughs> I ever lived. Um no, it's about uh tragedies. Um, uh-huh. so each week we cover a different tragedy. Uh like we've done the DC sniper and the Lubies massacre so far, which is uh-huh. a shooting in a Lubies, which is very funny. Okay. And uh, this I don't week know we what did a Lubies is. Oh, it's a buffet in okay. Texas. Yeah. And this week we did an open secret, which is about pedophile pedophiles in Hollywood. Okay. And that was pretty good. That made me feel like I was going insane. Just the amount of pedophile rings. Yeah. That, that, that yeah. In the city. But anyway. Yeah. Um, but I always like admired you guys. Like you always, always had like a very good hustle to like just put things out there. Uh huh. And then like you didn't like what you never waited for permission to do anything, which I always felt like I had to do. Right. And you don't. Yeah. Exactly. And like, like just you can like, fuck up on your own marriage. <laughs> exactly. I'm um, just seeing you guys like constantly be putting that stuff out there kind of like I think eventually got me Ben and like Noah to be like let's you know let's start doing our own thing and actually yeah. putting it out there and it's super fun. Um so anyway, yeah, we talked about you were raised Buddhist. Right, right. right. And I was like I always I struggle telling people that I grew up in a cult because I don't want to steal cult you, valor. You think okay, so you think it, you do think it's well, just what? Right. What is it? It's called the the Church of Christ. Uh huh. So I have to be kind of specific about that because the Church of Christ is a denomination, right, of the Christian Church. Because there's a lot. There's like Baptists, you know, Pentecostal, right. Methodist. Um, the thing is with Church of Christ is they refuse. To most of them, because every church varies depending on where you go. It's just right, you know, it's right. people making up stuff a lot of the time. 
So every church varies on where you go. Church of Christ tends to be one of the most strict sects of Christianity. Mm-hmm. So much they they refuse to identify as a denomination uh-huh. because they believe that they are the one true church and right. everybody else is doing it wrong. Um, and the church that I went to as a kid was one of the strictest Church of Christ. Really? And this in is Texas. So I had like the Texas. I had like the strict of the strict. Even my friends who I went to college with and they're like grew up Church of Christ. Um, we would talk about our experiences growing up and theirs were completely different mm-hmm. than mine just because of the place that I went. But we were like so strict, like in church, we couldn't do music. We weren't allowed to clap. Um, you weren't allowed to clap or weren't allowed to clap. Um, why? I don't know. It's like, um, cause it's literally just all this shit is made up, but it, there's this term that they use called, uh, I think it's biblical science, silence, uh-huh. if I'm uh, remembering correctly, where it's like anything the Bible does not give us permission to do, we should not do it to be safe. Interesting. So the Bible never says we can have instruments in worship, even mm-hmm. though there are some verses in the Old Testament you could pull out to make an argument for that. Um, like King David played a lyre and stuff like that. Did you Did you guys have music in general? Or? So we would sing a cappella. Uh-huh. There are verses in the New Testament that talk about uh, the apostles like singing praise to God. So mm-hmm. we could sing a cappella. weren't allowed to clap. Um, in fact, every Easter it was funny. Somebody would always get baptized, and there would be people who had come to the church like they hadn't been uh-huh. all year because it's Easter. So you right. know, it's like the big Super Bowl of church. And somebody would get baptized and they'd start clapping because his soul has been hypothetically saved. Uh-huh. And then it would just be like everybody would look at him and they'd be like, oh, no, sorry, we didn't know. <laughs> yeah. supposed to clap for what's supposed to be the most joyous moment of a Christian's life. Right, right. Um, weren't allowed to dance, no drinking, no swearing, um, which is funny because I swear so much now. But right, I wasn't right. allowed to like say but. Until you weren't allowed to say like, but. Until I was like 14. Were there no are there no buts in the Bible? There's asses, but those are mostly. So that's a bad joke. I don't even want to complete it. Uh, they're mostly donkeys. Yeah, you, uh, <laughs> I like started a laffy taffy joke. So I had to put a gun in my mouth. I saw. I saw the the shame look to the side. I go. What yeah. are, what are, you no. saw me like side eye that axe. Like, I'm like, I can take my own neck out. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, so like, this is this may be a weird question. So right. you, you, that that's a lot of info just right there. Yeah. Is that what I mean? What you're describing now, that community, outsiders who knew about the Church of Christ, mm-hmm. is that how they viewed it? Like, how what was the outsider so, perspective, and how did it compare to what it actually was? So I had kind of a weird outsider perspective because I didn't like grandly leave the. I never left the church okay. like officially. Uh-huh. I just kind of stopped hanging out right no i mean outsiders yeah. like uh, uh people who are not part of the church right. maybe what yeah, yeah, yeah so that was the thing is like i slowly got introduced as i got older to more and more radical people right um so like when i went to college i was hanging out with a lot of like more different type of christians some like vague mm-hmm. agnostics and they would like hear about my church experience they'd be like oh that seems crazy yeah sorry your church was like that and then you know, I would describe like I would move. I moved out to, you know, New York and then eventually L.A. And I made friends who never grew up in the church, weren't familiar with it. Right. And I would describe my experiences to them. And they're like, that's a, a cult. That sounds insane. Yeah. Like you would tell somebody a story expecting it to be relatively normal. And they'd be like, that is the most banana shit I've ever heard. Right. You know, it's like telling like have you ever like told a story like where you're like, oh, yeah, you know, my dad like, you know, did something. And everybody's like, that is 
crazy. You're yeah. Like, oh, you're you're not supposed to get like punched in the face. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> or like no, I'm saying my dad did that, but you know, right, like, right. Yeah. As an as an example, right. Yeah. So it's yeah. It's I mean you've you've you you there there's there's a lot because I did some research on this. There's a there's a lot of stuff I'm 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 curious about. Were you were you born into? Yeah, so my parents were, um, my dad's side of the family is very uh, religious, uh, and my mom's side is not as much. They have, like, smatterings. Like, right. some are kind of agnostic, some are, like, Catholic. So my mom converted when she met my dad. So my entire life, that's what I, I grew up doing. I went to church three times a week. You know? Three times a week. Three times a week. Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. Um, which was a real bitch. Two a days. Two a days f- for church. It's the most boring thing of all time. Uh huh. And then Wednesday afternoon, which really sucks because it's like you know, it's the middle of the week. Right. I just want to play video games and jerk off to the Girls Gone Wild commercial at right. three a.m. tonight. I can't also the, go yeah, to church. Yeah, the commercial christened uh, a lot of a lot of young men into oh, yeah. the world of masturbation. I yeah. had like the reason I've had like bags under my eyes for. The entire time I've been alive is because we didn't, you know, I couldn't log on to my computer because my mom was actually really good with computers. So right. she would catch any activity. Uh, so I would have to stay up till like 2.30 <laughs> watching Comedy Central until like there was like the one Girls Gone Wild thing. And I would beat off in 15 seconds uh-huh. and just like immediately collapse and then like wake up at like 6 a.m. to go to football practice the next day so i was just like chronically sleep deprived just right right to be i sound really horny in this thing you I, do <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a nice surprise i i wasn't i wasn't expecting you to be as horny i know this, yeah well yeah. now i'm embarrassed about my own sexuality no no you shouldn't you shouldn't be it's good it's good to be horny every well, you know i don't know maybe i have fantasies about just cutting my own dick off sometimes and making well that life. doesn't sound very horny of you <laughs> What yeah. so you you're talking about like the stuff that that isn't normal, but you you thought it was normal at the time. Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was just what I grew up with. Right. So I didn't like. That's the thing is, I feel weird about calling it a cult because I'm like, I mean, it's it, it's part of me in a in a way. Yeah. It's it's like part of me, and it's like the thing is like the thing I always want to get across to people is like, I, you know, I don't want to be fucking like. Bill Hicks about it, you know, not right. to say it was a bad comment, but I just don't want to be like the fucking church, fuck the church, like type of thing. Right? They're all fucking retards. It's like it's there's, it's yeah. There's a lot of good people, just like any Absolutely. type of organization. It's a lot of good people. It's more, you know, it's like a banality of evil type of thing. It's just people doing what they think is right, yeah, um, and trying to be good people. And most of them are cool. And then it's just it's more the morals. And there's like. There was always in the church, there was like 10% of people who ruined it uh-huh. for everybody else. Who like right. The people who would have like like been a Nazi general in Germany. Right. And, but now they're in West Texas and they're like a deacon at a church who would just, like it would shame and it would cause you to be like very, like like self-monitoring. Like that's, right. That's how it's affected me as an adult is like I'm like, I'm so self-monitoring and like so um, like trying to change myself constantly to like right. fit this like perfect mold that I have to be. Right, right. Like being a good Christian. Like it was always like you need to like always get better every day. Right. And so I almost get like addicted to like the self-improvement type train. Sure. Yeah. Well, no, because it, 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 every religion does like it drives certain things and what good. Right. 
well, and bad is. Yeah. And then you, you you know if you leave it, you're you're still left in this world of like I don't I don't. I still want to improve myself, but I'm still I'm trying to like I feel like right. that mechanism is designed. Do you have like do you have like a first memory of being in in the church? That first memory. Um I have a couple early ones was I remember these are some of my earliest memories because I don't really remember anything like pre twelve or anything. Sure. I was just always very stressed out because of yeah. the church. It was just a very I remember in the Christian church, you're supposed to get baptized when you become basically of age. Like, basically, you learn the moral right or wrong. You have to choose to be baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, people do it around, like, 13, 14. It's kind of almost like a bar mitzvah as a boy. Sure. And um, so my earliest memories were based around, I would, like, around 11, I started, uh, you know, masturbating, just like as any kid does. It's like a natural right. part of like being a human being with like fucking meat on your skeleton right and i would have like these like just panic attack those are my earliest memories i would be laying in bed late at night and i was i like it just like jerked off and i would just have these like um like nightmare scenarios of judgment day coming because uh-huh. that's what i was taught that like during judgment day god will destroy the world with a wall of fire mm-hmm. um and it'll come like a thief in the night was always the phrase they use it'll come when you least expect it uh-huh. so i would have these i would play these fantasies over and over my in my head where i had um i'd be laying in bed and there's just like this giant wall of fire would come through my room consuming everyone and i would go to judgment day which um, basically what I've been taught is like you sit up in heaven and there's like everyone you've ever known <laughs> watches a big video and you basically God decides whether you go to hell or whether you go to heaven. And based on my compulsive need to like jerk off because I was, you know, you know, 12 years old and like, right. you know, just you have all these Human like nature hormones like raging through you. I I just remember. Just cr- like cr- like ju- I would just be crying like it's a comedy trip. I'd just be like jerking off and crying and just like obsessed with the idea that the world was about to end any second. Yeah. And I would go throughout the day like that, just being like, "Is it is it now? Is it going to end now? Right. What about it? it?" Was like I, that was the earliest memories. It's just like that. And then I remember I finally got baptized. I went into my mom's room in the middle of the night like at 2 a.m. because I just couldn't take it. What is the the actual baptizing? Is yeah. there anything like unique to the Church of Christ about how they baptize? I mean, you mentioned um, the clapping. There's no clapping. There's right. no applause. There's no real way to celebrate, right. it sounds like. It sounds like it's a very somber. Right. So it would be um, usually what would happen is it would be after the sermon, the preacher would go, is there anyone here who chooses to? What is the wording they use? Is there anyone here who chooses to accept accept Jesus into your heart and like recommit your life to Christ and choose to be baptized uh, at this moment? Please come forward. And people would come forward um, because we'd sing a song. So we'd be singing a song, um, like a, usually a beautiful song. I loved the songs in church. That was like like as a deer pants for the water. That was that was that was a thing that you actually enjoyed. I about. really enjoyed it because it yeah. was beautiful uh, songs. Um, you know, like nearer my God to thee. They'd be singing something like that, and then somebody would come down. They'd usually be crying or very emotional. The preacher would meet and talk with them, mm-hmm. and then um, the preacher would stand up and he goes, "You know, bro- you know, brother Jim has decided that." You know, it'd be like some ex-convict or like a 13-year-old kid. It's yeah. like, you know, um, we're just so proud of Jacob for deciding to 
commit himself to God today to be baptized. And they would go in the back. And so most Christian churches, there's a pool mm-hmm. literally behind the pulpit where the preacher speaks. There's this big window in a wall that a pool is built into, like literally like a hot tub right. type pool. Because in Church of Christ, w- there's a lot of different baptisms. Like in Catholic Church, it's christening where they sprinkle right. water on somebody. In um, in uh, Christian Church, Church of Christ, it's submersion. You have to be submerged completely, completely, because they believe it's it. It is a um, it is not even a metaphor. It is a re-experiencing of Jesus um, going to the grave and being risen again. Yeah. Much like Jesus being risen after three days, you go under the water, simulate burial, and then kind of a rebirth metaphor. Right. Which is funny. Like, if you get into, like, the Campbellian, like, you know, here with a thousand faces type thing, it all fits into, like, this monument. Right, right. But not to get into that right now. Um, so you you come out of the water. They give you like this little like white jumpsuit to wear when you did it. There was like a it was a jumpsuit. It was a, it, w- it literally looked like this would probably be lost on your audience. But like if you watch the Masters, uh-huh. like what the caddies wear, like a giant onesie, like okay. a white onesie that you would just zip up and change into, so your clothes wouldn't get wet. Uh huh. So they would come up from the water, and the crowd would say, everyone would say, "Amen." That's what, you couldn't clap, but it would just be a chorus of people going, "Amen." Uh-huh. Amen. And people would be very happy for the person. Um, would, would would you like? Were you happy? Like as a as a kid, because it was mostly when you were a kid. Uh-huh. Like, did that? Did it create? Like, did you feel joy seeing? Like, how did you feel when you saw other people? Right. Going through this. When I was younger, it filled me with joy because I was like, "Oh, that's great for that person. They're committed to God." And as I started to get older, it filled me with extreme guilt because i'm like i should be doing this like i remember like one time there was a kid who was a grade below me who got baptized i'm like like fuck like he did it and i should that totally means i should be doing it if a t- if i'm 13 right. and a 12 year old thought he should get baptized because i was that was my plan i'm like i have to stop sinning i have to stop masturbating i have to stop like lying i have to stop like all these sins that i'm doing um and then once i'm good i can get baptized because the thing is baptism it washes away all your sins right um, but it also means that you're an officially an adult. So your sins actually really count this right. time. Because they told me growing up, like, if you die as a child, um, you know, a child, like, you know, like an eight-year-old child does not have the capacity to know the difference between right and wrong. Right. Therefore, he cannot be guilty of sin. So if you die as an eight-year-old, you know, you automatically go into heaven. It's like a freebie. Right. Um, but once you become baptized, once you become an adult and you can understand the difference, that's when it's like they expect you to know the difference. They expect you to know the difference. So if you commit a sin, it's a real sin. Right. It's a real um, transgression against Christ. Right. So that was the fear. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And then finally got to the point where it's also like if you don't get baptized, but you know, you should have. It's like, okay, you're an adult, but you're too much of a pussy to even go through with. it. So you're still going to hell, buddy. So you yeah so they're, they're on both sides you're feeling that pressure. Right. Were there any you know before we get into sure. that stuff? Were there any other like good moments that you remember or 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 moments that you enjoyed or things you enjoyed about the about church? The, yeah. <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, when did I was, you enjoy the community, like the people there, or no? no. I was a very I was like a very loner kid i think i was also just like my brother grew up in the same environment and i don't think it it affected him as much as it did me well you're older right i'm a little older so i got more of a a little bit of intenser thing about it yeah but i was also just born 
like uber emotional for whatever reason right like i've just always been uh, like a super like emo- like i cry all the time yeah i'll cry in like movies all the time i just feel bad for people all the time right uh, i'm a great guy you know is what i'm trying to say uh he was at the bar at 905 905 9 30 podcast audience. <laughs> i'm imagining one of your like psycho fans out <laughs> like somebody we call yeah, yeah. We call Short Bus Murphy to the <laughs> st- Perfect. Short yeah. Bus Murphy. Yeah. R- actual nickname. Yeah. Uh, a guy with two eye patches testifying for me in court. So you didn't, you didn't, there wasn't anything that you really enjoyed about it. So why were, were, were you there? Because your fam, your, your family, mo- you know, they were part of it. And yeah. My, my family was a part of it. And I mean, okay. I'll tell you what I did enjoy about it. Yeah. It was preaching. I enjoyed preaching because. I think that's the reason I do comedy to this day is or that I have to do comedy is that um, growing up like that, you kind of learn how to live a double life. Out right. A survival mechanism. Most of the people in the church are probably living a double life just because they're, you know, it's giving impossible standards. It's an impossible standard. Yeah. So they're giving into the needs of their flesh and so ashamed of it that they're secretly lying about it. So it. It makes you very uh, charming and like able to like lie. It makes you kind of an actor in real life, right? Right. And I didn't know any of this was happening at the time. It just right. Kinda, you just went with it. It naturally shaped me, so it made me a really good actor. And then, so I would go on these like, I would go to preach, and for whatever reason, I had like a preternatural ability to do it well. Mm-hmm. Like after the first couple times, I just was able to. I remember they were having like uh, one Sunday where all the young people were supposed to give like a five to ten minute sermon. And it was, I think we were all like 14, 15 and everybody was like incredibly nervous, you know, cause you're speaking in front of like 300 people. Right. And I got up and just for whatever, re- like I'm just killing, like I'm making jokes up top. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, I'm talking about like God and shit. Like I'm freestyling. Like I'm just like Eddie Murphy, like in raw. Yeah. Like as a 15 year old, <laughs> uh, just pacing the stage. <laughs> and so what gave me really joy as a kid was being able to convince people be, getting the getting the pride from other people right. in the church like that was such a great oh he's going to be a preacher one day he's such a gifted speaker god is did people say kid. that about you that you were going to be a preacher yeah you're going to be a preacher so my mom yeah. said that about me she's like I, th- I always wanted you to be a preacher like you have such a gift and god has given you this gift you know to, re- to reach people and speak out to people so it kind of like it set me up in this maze of, you know, my job is to act in a way that'll make people very proud of me. Right. And that's kind of like a thing I've carried into my adult life for a very long time. Yeah. Like anything I do, I want to do it in a way where people are amazed at my existence. Right. Um, so that was like it really that was my hamster wheel as a kid and into my early 20s especially yeah and that's where the so it was that religion that really did affect your decision to be a comedian oh 100 percent. yeah because then i started like around 2005 we got the internet and i kind of gradually not to jump the gun or anything i just mm-hmm. kind of gradually was like ah this seems like weird yeah like all these rules and like i was really into like science as a kid uh-huh and reading and like all this science stuff that i read just did not mesh with any of the bible stuff that i was experiencing um so i just kind of was like ah this seems weird i remember a guy who spoke at our church and was like the earth is six thousand years old and i was like "Ah, i fucking i know that's not true like i just know it and it would just you kind of gradually fall away And, and during that time we got the internet and i started listening to all these comedians um 
because I love the public speaking. I love like the joking aspect of uh-huh. it. And I remember I started listening to Pan Oswalt was the first guy I started really listening to. Right. Like uh, Werewolves and Lollipops and 222, which were like great albums. And he goes on and he talks about, um, you know, God and all this stuff. So uh, I kept getting into more comedians and it was kind of feeding um, this like questioning my religion type thing. Right. And it's just like. I think it, it's like comedy is like the perfect version of being a good boy for a treat because <laughs> um, it is such a is such a high pressure environment situation where if I perform adequately, I will not only get an endorphin rush from getting a lot of laughter, I will instantly and this is very cynical i will instantly like rank above the people who can't do that right so i will be looked at positively as a special person right so it got me in this trap of like just performing for that which i love i mean i just i love comedy but it definitely i think it set me up to be able to do it right right and that all that makes sense i think there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of former religious and religious Excuse me, people mm-hmm. in comedy, and I think I mean I think you you put it you put it very like blatantly, and I think a lot of people would not admit that that is what's going on in right. their relationship to it. But mm-hmm. I think I mean what you're you're saying is accurate. You know, you you mentioned you mentioned you said it was a cult, yeah, and maybe it's your and you said it's yours specifically was cultish, right? Why exactly do you? Th- think like why do you why did you why do i think it's like a cult yeah 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 um i think it's just sorry i feel like i'm going on too much right no now. no i mean i want i want right. to i want to get i no sure. all this is great You're, okay yeah okay. yeah uh the reason i felt it was like a cult type environment was just um you know you just weren't allowed to act in a way that was different um right because of being shamed or ostracized for a community it was it was literally just I mean, it was run through cult tactics. Yeah. I mean, the biggest one, like once I got older, and I started reading about actual cults and stuff like that. The biggest one is how they keep people in cults. Um, like the one of the number one ways is they tell you that any thoughts that you have contrary to the nature of the religion or the God or the leader who fucks all the kids are, are evil are evil. Yeah. That's the thoughts of the world. Um, so like when I was getting older and i started to have these thoughts i'm like this doesn't seem to jive i would literally i would have that thought and i would push it down because i was like oh that's the devil right that's the devil trying to get me yeah and it's also like you have this supreme fear that if this is all fake what is reality i don't know yeah this is like it's almost like you grow up i think i said this to you on a road trip it's like you grow up and like you figure out like like when you learn santa claus isn't real like it imagine, shatters your world. It shatters your world. Imagine that for your entire life. Yeah. Your entire life is Santa Claus. Right. And it's like imagine you were raised being told like the jerk like you were a black man in Mississippi <laughs> and you're like, "What? I'm a white guy from Texas?" You know, it's just it's shat- like it's earth shattering. It's everything. It's and, everything. And when it is everything, I feel like you're less likely to accept that maybe it's not for you because yeah. that that takes a, that takes a lot to be able to do that i read something i mm-hmm. don't know if this is true or not okay i read something that y- the church of christ speaks in tongues is that 
so that is um there's our churches of christ who do that uh-huh. um that is more of the liberal type churches that's a real like southern baptist type of thing okay where I've watched like clips of these, um, and we would kind of make fun of them at the Church of Christ. They're like, oh, they're crazy. Okay. okay. Doing all the tongues thing. But people would become overcome with the Holy Spirit, is what they call it. Because uh-huh. um, uh, they talk about it in the Bible, like, uh, I think there was the apostles after Jesus died. It was like 40 days after he went back into heaven. They had the Pentecost, which was the Holy Spirit went through Jerusalem, I think, and all the apostles spoke in tongues. Basically, they preached to crowds. Right. And every person in the crowd was able to hear it in their native language. Interesting. So that's why they call it speaking in tongues, because you're speaking in more than one tongue dialect at the same time. Um, So in a Pentecostal... I didn't know that. Yeah, in a Pentecostal-type environment, they think that when they go to church, the Holy Spirit flows through them and they can speak in tongues. So you'll see, like, you know, like 45 year old men who like own a bank, you know, they, they're in a suit and they're at the front of the church. They're like, like they're just like going like yeah, arms yeah. raised and they're speaking gibberish. And it's like a real almost um, mob hysteria type of thing. Like everybody's kind of acting as if the Holy Spirit is flowing through them because they want to be a good Christian. And there's, right. and it's funny, there's people in the back going like, they're like self-conscious. Yeah, they're like, I don't think this yeah. is, but they like, don't want to be not. So they're like, and, uh, but there's people up front, like doing backflips and like sprinting or like the people who right, get really, right. like I said, once again, the people who would be like pulling the gas, a nozzle at like dock out right but you never did that but you've seen you've seen it i've seen it yeah and it weirded me out as a kid um, i could imagine yeah that's just, a weird thing to see yeah and especially like that's when you're in i mean you probably relate to this when you're in a religion and you see other religions that's part of your thing of like well this is fucking stupid because <laughs> i just got introduced to this when i was 17 right i didn't like get indoctrinated into this so that's part of your thing was like well i'm why am I not just that? I'm the same thing as right. Scientology or the Pentecostal guys running around and screaming and whooping. Like, why am I the right one? Yeah. What? 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 Is it? Was there? Is there? Sorry, I've 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 a lot of a lot yeah, of no, questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I just get self conscious that I'm like no, hogging no. the. No, no. Podcast. I mean, I I I I want you to talk okay. a lot about it. Yeah, right. yeah. And if it's it's there's you're you're you're, you're this is great. Right. This is very interesting. Yeah. You know. Um. So you didn't speak in tongues. Is there anything like looking back, right? That you go, I can't. As as me today, I can't believe I've, I I did that. That you thought was completely normal at the time. That I, I can't believe I did that. I mean, or just seems incredible. Like what what is a story you told someone, and they just were like, what? I mean, you you tell yeah. people you 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 know, uh, you get that reaction a yeah. bunch. Um. Number one, the one I told you, I always had this when I tell, like when I told you about the, um, like crying because I thought the world was going to end and yeah. I was jerking off. That's always one. I could see people reacting that way to that yeah. story. People yeah. react to that. And even when I tell it to you, I'm like, man, like, there's part of in my life when I go through, I'm like, yeah, you know, I grew up religious and I'm fine. You right. know, I'm an adult. Okay. I can handle it. But then when I relive that story of me being 12 yeah. and like completely getting fucked in the head. Yeah. And like thinking I was like being ter- like a 12 year old being terrified they're going to die and be tortured in hell by the devil. Right. For millennia. Right. Um, that's when I tell that even retelling. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like that is fucked up. And it wasn't because you did like, you know, when you're talking about speaking in tongues, you're like, that's that's yeah, I didn't do that. That's right. crazy. People thought that mm-hmm. it wasn't that. It was the idea you actually believe this genuinely, like in your heart. That I, uh, this, 
I a hundred percent thought this was true. I right. a hundred percent thought it like is like as much as like the sky is blue or gravity makes things fall down. I thought this was the truth. Right. Uh, there was no part of me that's like, oh, maybe it's not true. It's like, no, I am. If I die, I am going to hell. And like as a 12 year old, like spending that. It's like spending your existence, like staring into the fucking void. It's just like it's damaging for a kid. I mean, obviously, yeah. but it's just like I feel like it aged me. Like I started going bald when I was like 19 <laughs> I always looked super old for my age. I had right. like bags under my eyes. I had like insane, like I had my heart hurt all the time. I'm sure it's taken 20 years off my life, like right. 100%. Um, it was just every day was a nightmare. Every day was like somebody, like there was a volume knob for life. And it feels like for most people it was set to three. And somebody just like cranked it to like 10 for yeah. me. And everything was like lights were too bright, sounds were too harsh. Right. Um, people were like walking around twenty feet tall around me. It was just yeah. I felt like life was like beating me down. And that you were an outsider. And that I was an outsider and that I just could not like when I was a kid And you felt like you were an outsider to the church you were in at the time. I, too. To the church I was in, to people outside of yeah. the church, to my family, to my friends. I felt like completely alone and when i was a little kid i literally had the thought um this is probably very serious but i literally had the thought i was like well i'm probably going to kill myself one day yeah and i kind of just went through my teenage years with the like idea of like okay well i'll make it as long as i can because i right. don't want to i think in the back of my head part of me is like i think this can get better because i saw and it was a lot of it was through comedy i'm yeah. just gonna make myself emotional now that's um, that's that's fine. <laughs> this isn't Mean Boys. This right. is we're talking about. Like Nobody's here's here's what's here's what's here's what's important. Here's why I want to do this. These right. are very real stories, and there have already been funny moments. We'll have funny moments, but sure. I I'm curious about the genuine experience. Right. You know what I mean? That's yeah. To get into this, to the seriousness of it is like, I literally was just walking through life going. Um, I'm going to kill myself. I, I I literally thought I was like probably 25. Probably 25 is when I'll do it because I can't live this existence uh and so like listening to comedy and stuff like that part of me was like i think it can get better because i would i would listen to like Patton and like you know louie and all these guys i'm like all these guys seem like they you know live in a cool place and do this cool thing right they talk about you know um you know growing up like feeling weird or awkward it was like nerd culture before it became lame right type of thing and i was like okay i'll see how long i can make because part of me thinks it'll become more normal as i get i don't know how but it was just like this, like. But there's a vague possibility. There was a vague hope that kept me from not killing myself. Yeah. For like years, and um, as I got into college, like I had this massive. Um, as I got into college, my parents moved, so I went to college where I grew up. Yeah. And so I went to a Christian church, so I had to still keep going to church. And when you were when you went to when you went to this church, uh -huh. did you were you did you still did you still believe? In I, the Church of Christ, or had you moved away from it, at least emotionally? I had moved away from it. It's kind of like, um, I always use this Hemingway quote to describe it. Um, yeah. But it's like, I think how Hemingway describes falling in love. Like, it happened very slowly, then all of a sudden. Right. So like, to tell you the truth, I slowly fell away from the church from the ages of 15 to 26. Right. Like, there's still tinges of it in me. Like, I'm 28 now. There's still tinges of it in me when I was 26 years right. old. Right. And you you said, okay, so you remember 15 yeah. was the age when you started to wonder. Do you remember a specific moment or thing that made you go, I don't know if this is real? 
I remember a big one was the scientists coming in, the Christian scientists, uh-huh. saying that the Earth was six. We've proven that the Earth was six thousand years old, and he went through the Bible and explained because the Bible keeps genealogy right. of everybody from Adam to um, Jesus Christ, who mm. we know at least if there's an historical Jesus, he died around two thousand years ago. Right, and so they give us the age and genealogy of everybody going back to the first person, Adam, and those people like it all adds up to four thousand. So according to the Bible, the Earth is only six thousand years old, and I just knew from science that it wasn't. Right. Like it's just like it's the most scientific fact possible. Is that right. Like, the Earth is like billions and billions of years old. Um. So I remember when I first heard that, I'm like, it just can't be true. But then you like still to like kind of save yourself, you just reinterpret it differently. Like I remember my interpretation for so long was that the term millennium, uh, the term a day, like God created the world in seven days. Mm-hmm. Um, number one was like these are the arguments people go through to kind of keep the magic alive is I remember my dad would always say like I mean how long is a day according to God you know on the first day he create on the second day he created light yeah so there was no sun so how could we even measure what a day what is a day to God maybe a day to God is billions of years right Um, there's also if you look at the Greek translation of the word day it means um, eon, I believe, what uh-huh. it would be in English. So it could, it could basically, it could either mean day, it could mean week, or it could mean eon, which is like, you know, uber extended uh, period of time. Right. Um, so you would just kind of have like, I would just reinterpret. I'm like, okay, he's wrong. I have the right interpretation. Like you would just kind of grasp at straws to keep it a while. It's like, you know, it's like a, it was like a big straw house that was falling down in the rain. And you're just like trying to like hold it up with like your hands and like these like planks that you just put in place you're just trying to keep the whole thing uh-huh. from collapsing and then just slowly and slowly it kind of collapses and then when i got in college i was like i think 21 i was a junior in college my parents had finally moved away from my hometown mm-hmm. and uh uh so i stopped going to church and that was when i like did, really did they know did they know you stopped yes, going to church because a guy from our church a deacon called my parents up and told them that I was no longer going to church. Uh-huh. Uh, so they confronted me about that. How did, yeah, what was their reaction to that? Uh, just that I told them I was going to a different church instead with my friends. Did they did they believe you? Or I they, don't know. Yeah. This is the part where I really can't get into it as sure, much. Sure, just sure, sure. it's like still a thing with my yeah, parents. Yeah, um, I'll edit out that question. Yeah, uh, you can, that's fine. You can leave that in, but just okay. like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I had like this. I had this massive crisis where I'm just like, I don't know what I fucking. What is my reality? I didn't know what was going on. I was having panic attacks, for like if you like you've had like panic attacks before, yeah. like serious. Where I literally thought I was like, am I having a heart attack? I remember I was like on the. Th- I would I would keep getting. I thought I was dying. And I didn't know what was happening. And I remember I was on the third story of a class, at my college. It was like a third story uh, floor of a building. And I had a panic attack in the middle of it. I just had this. I'm like, I'm like, throw yourself out the window. Like, if you throw yourself out the window, you'll at least stop feeling this feeling because that's how bad it felt. It literally felt like this sense of like impending severe doom. Like as if somebody mm. was pointing a gun at me. Like right. God was pointing a gun at me. Um, and that's when I started to like, I just kind of collapsed and I started going to a school psychologist. I remember being so scared. I'm like, I don't know what's going to fucking happen to me by the end of this week. Like, I'm like, I'm, this might be it. This might be when I kill myself. Right. Um, I started going to a school psychologist. I gradually got put on. And those like, those like, f- I went to a psychologist for maybe six months. And like, those were like, that's just lost time. I don't really remember that that well. 
Right. I just kind of became almost like a di- like subhuman, like a different person. Um, I got put on Prozac, like literally because I had to, because I had to like just zombie out for a period right. of time. My body couldn't like take what I was going through anymore. I was jogging nine miles every day. Jeez. Um, barefoot because I was a barefoot runner back then. <laughs> So I was literally like, I had a big mohawk um, that I had shaved. I had a giant beard. I just literally looked insane. I was drinking right. nonstop. I would, I would drink, and then I'd run nine miles barefoot, and then I would smoke a bunch of cigarettes and just like jerk off until I went to sleep. And that was kind of how I just got through. It was just, it was a lost period of time. I don't really remember right. a lot of stuff from that period because it was so incredibly. Stressful. You were trying to shut off your brain. I was 100% trying to shut off my yeah. brain. Um, I got put on Prozac, like literally because I had to, because I had to like just zombie out for a period right. of time. My body couldn't like take what I was going through anymore. I was jogging nine miles every day. Jeez. Um, barefoot, because I was a barefoot runner back then. <laughs> so I was literally like, I had a big mohawk um, that I had shaved. I had a giant beard. I just literally looked insane. I was drinking right. nonstop. I would, I would drink... And then I'd run nine miles barefoot, and then I would smoke a bunch of cigarettes and just, like, jerk off until I went to sleep. And that was kind of how I just got through. It was just – it was a lost period of time. I don't really remember right. a lot of stuff from that period because it was so incredibly stressful. You were trying to shut off your brain. I was 100% trying to shut off my yeah. brain. Do like, extreme self-monitoring and self-education. That's the one thing I had going for myself is I was very self-monitoring. And I was I was always addicted to learning, so I just learned everything. Right. I just used the internet to teach me about everything. Um, like I really remember, like in two thousand nine, going like, "Oh, I'm going to learn what music's popular," because I hadn't really been allowed to like listen to right. popular music. So I literally remember going through like top ten lists and being like, "Oh, there's this band called LCD Sound System." Oh, there's this artist called Kanye West. I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to check this out." Like literally going through all the shit and like kind of like. Almost like Encino Man, where I've been frozen out of ice. Yeah. And just kind of had to educate myself on how life worked. And as I went through, like, I was 21, uh, moved to Austin, started doing comedy. That kind of just took up my, a lot of my time. I was an alcoholic for, like, four years. I, right. From, like, the age of, like, 22 to 26, I just drank all the time. I moved to New York, drank all the time, um, was doing comedy. Um, just 24-7. I was always drunk. And then... Moved to LA, was drunk for a month straight, but then I had to. I you have to drive out here. Yeah. So I got sober for about seven months because I was literally when I first moved out here, I was drinking like a handle of Jack, not Jack, a handle of Jameson a day, and I just couldn't go out and do comedy. And this this was all just to clarify. This was all just to avoid thinking about. Yeah. What would happen if you masturbated? I just. That, not so specifically, that was just more like, I didn't know. That was the turning point. Yeah, that was the, that was like when I was early age. This period was more just like, I'm like, I don't know how to be alive. Yeah. Because I would have this incredible anxiety. Like, basically, I think what it implanted in me when I stopped being as religious was it kind of implanted this, it instilled these, like, these couple things in me. One was like that I have to be perfect. Right. Um, two is that everyone around me I have to take care of. That's more family right. stuff than church stuff. Right. Um, but that's just how I grew up taking care of everybody. Right. Um, and three, I just have to like do nothing but like monitor myself for my own safety. Right. Um, so I kind of went through life, and that's what comedy kind of replaced church, where it was like 
I was so intent on becoming the greatest comedian who ever lived. Right. But that was like it was almost like I had to do that in order to justify my existence. Right. Um, because you know, you take the God thing away, it's like, why am I even fucking here? Did you did you make up did or not make up, but did you decide that like before you even start doing comedy or was that after you start? Because I think yeah. I think Part of it too is I think because you were you were very involved you were part of this community even if you didn't like the community right and then when you leave it there's this void uh-huh. and I don't know I I I think I mean this is how I feel maybe it's it's different for you but I definitely feel like and for me it's not just religious there are a lot of there are a lot of factors where I'm like oh fuck I am I am fucked up and I shouldn't connect with people. In terms of comedy, in terms of just being a person, like, yeah, you know, comedy, comedy ended up being my community too. But in terms of being a person, I feel like, you know, I felt very disconnected, and I've, you know, I feel like there's there's three ways mm-hmm. to like react to that. Is this relatable to what you're talking about, or or um, in a way, I please finish, but yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I feel like people, you can either you can either isolate mm-hmm. join a different community or maybe another individual to kind of right y- you know what i mean or several individuals right. to kind of like reconnect to because there's a part there's a part of your brain that's that's like all right this is connected to that right and then you go oh that isn't real to me right i it, would go through periods where i would because I was always an extremist about right. everything. It was either it was all or nothing type of thing. So I would go through like I would go out to do a mic or a show or anything. And I would just like be the funniest guy in every conversation and be like uber bonding with everybody. Right. Like, somebody could say anything to me and I would agree with it. You know, like literally right. somebody could be like, I'm a Nazi. I'm like, I think that's great. You're fantastic. <laughs> Please like me. Um, and like try to make everybody laugh and constantly tap dancing to distract myself and be perfect for everybody. And then I would get home and I, I was the worst roommate who ever lived because I, I was never there. But when I was there, I refused to talk to anybody. Right. Because I would isolate myself. I would go three months at a time without seeing my roommates because I just I would go inside my room and I wouldn't come out. And uh, I was just terrified to go back out into the world. It was like these it was like this extreme like tap dancing song and dance man type of thing. Right. Um, like I'm like Sammy Davis Jr. All of a sudden, like I'm on the Johnny Carson show like in the 70s. And then just going into like I'm I'm not going to talk to anybody for three days, right? And I'm like just going to be, I'm going to like sit in a dark room and just like listen to like, you know, fucking like Elliot Smith records, right? And like I love Elliot yeah. Smith. Yeah, no, I do too. I yeah, mean, it's yeah. just like really. Well, it's not happy. No, it's not happy. <laughs> just really dwelling it. And then so I got so involved in comedy, and then I moved out here and I started uh, dating a lady. And um, the first person I ever really started dating seriously and then got way too involved in that, like that ended very ugly, unfortunately, um, for kind of the same reasons where it was just like, you know, codependency, uh, constantly taking care of somebody. Um, and just ended up really screwing that person over, um, uh-huh. you know, with I, I just didn't know. You know, none of this was like at the time, none of this was cognizant to me. This was right. just, a, you know, an animal in a cage. Right. Trying to feel good. This is it's it, in a weird way. It's like I think it's being a child, but you're an adult. Yes, it was. It did really feel like I've used that phrase many times. It felt like I was reliving the childhood I missed out on. Right. Specifically, like with the drinking and the smoking and the you know I was just like a like a man whore for like a number of like periods of years, 
it was just like I was going through all the things I should have been like I should have been 17 and told you know my mom to go fuck herself and then like you know got in trouble for stealing at the mall and then right. felt bad about it but I was the I was the A student I was the perfect boy I was like the golden child right and so like as I got as I became an adult I think there was almost a part of me that had to like get drunk and you know you know fuck somebody I didn't care about and then you know never call her again like a piece of shit and you know I would just I would kind of crash through these people and experiences and I just I didn't really know what was going on. I just knew I was always having an anxiety attack. Yeah. Um, and every day was a nightmare. And then I got out of that relationship. And that's when I slowly started to... Because when you get out of like a relationship, it's like another like ego break. Yeah. And I think my ego, sure. my ego was completely broken. And my good friend Noah, who doing the podcast with... Uh, he, I'm so thankful for him on this is he, after the breakup, I was like very, I was just a sad, per- I was like a broken person. He took me up to Malibu and we went in the mountains and we did, uh, mushrooms, which I'd never done before. Mm-hmm. I'd never done any like hallucinogenic type of drug. And I know this is the stereotype, so I always get self-conscious. No, but it's a stereotype for a reason. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then like literally took like a guy. I'm not judging you on any of yeah, this, Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I, I understand, yeah. yeah. Part of it is me just speaking to the invisible audience that I'm imagining me is, is calling me gay and they're like Honda Civic. I don't, I don't think that's, yeah, work. I don't, yeah. Um, Enjoy making that whopper, boys. Yeah. I don't, it's, <laughs> yeah, this is, it's, it's a, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, oh shit, what was it? oh yeah? I had that went and did mushrooms, and then kind of had like this thing where complete like ego death. I thought I was like I had all this religious iconography pop up in my head. Yeah, um, we were staring at the ocean, and I literally thought of it like as me being baptized. I thought I was dead and in heaven for a period of time. Right, and I was coming down. I had like this ego death, and I could kind of see all these like it was almost like I was looking at myself like a close friend that I'd known all my life. Right. And I was like, oh, these are like, here's this thing that makes you miserable. Here's this thing that makes you miserable. I saw all the mechanisms that, all the survival mechanisms that were keeping me alive, but also destroying me slowly. Yeah. And that's when I really started to, I started um, exercising. I started eating relatively healthier. Yeah. I stopped drinking, you know, like a, like a, like a, you know, WC Fields. And uh, it eventually got me, the whole goal was to start going into therapy. Right. And that was so hard for me because the the therapist I went to, she was like a Christian therapist. She was a student therapist. Right. So she helped me not kill myself. But it's like we weren't getting any. But it was and it was I'm guessing and tell me if I'm wrong. I'm guessing part of it was getting better through faith and religion and the thing that was also haunting you at the time. Part of it was, hey, let's pray about that right now. Right. Um, uh, You know, it's funny. I remember. Because I always wanted to be a comedian, too. I knew that. Yeah. And I remember I was 21. I never told anybody I wanted to be a comedian. Um, yeah. And not, literally not a single person in my life. And uh, in our first session, I was, like, kind of reserved. And I wasn't talking. And then she's like, so what do you want to be when you, you know, get out of college? I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to start doing And I just bawled. I started bawling because it was the first time I'd ever actually told somebody something true about me. Yeah. Um. I almost like during that period of my life, I was like, were, were you bawling because you were afraid of the reaction or just like, just like, oh, this what it is what it feels like to be honest or what? Yeah, I don't know. It was just right. I never like I think it was that I was just I was this grand actor. I, yeah. you know, I kind of had like that was part of the crisis is I'm like, I don't know who I am. Yeah, because I was just playing a part. 
Right. Like forever. And you were told for so long this is who you are. Yeah. And now you actually you're 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 an adult and you gotta actually have some say. Right. And it's just gone. So right. I don't I don't know. And then like it was like that was a thing that like really fucked me up through my adult life was I just couldn't be on like I wasn't being dishonest. Like I wasn't like, Yeah, I'm lying, it's my fault. Right. Like, hey, give me five dollars, I'll pay you back or like right. you know, like like you great at comedy, that type of thing. I would always like I would assess what somebody wanted me to be in a situation. Right. And I would become that. And everybody loved me and nobody really knew me. And then yeah. eventually I get too close to somebody and I'd panic and have to like never Push talk them to away. them again. Yeah. Just ghost out of their lives because yeah. It was, I just had like this extreme self hate. So how many times did you d- d- do that, or like, was there a time where was it the breakup where you realized like that's what you were doing, or did you know the whole time? Well, that was part of the breakup. Was the end of it? It became really codependent, and most of it was my fault because I just like allowed it to. That's what I thought. Yeah, love was. Um, I didn't understand how to like. You know, there's a part of a relationship where you have to like be a partnership, and I yeah. was just like. That's well, all of it. This thing makes me feel so good. Like the love in this relationship like fills up a lot of gaps that I'm not giving myself. Right. Like actually loving myself or having respect for right, myself. Right. Or, right. Um, so it was like this varnish I could kind of pour over like all these like holes in yeah. my body. And um, towards the end of it, it started getting really codependent where it was affecting my life. Um, my comedy was garbage. Like people were like, I knew like my friends were like talking about me. They're like, what is going on with you? Like his comedy's bad. He seems incredibly depressed. I didn't see anybody anymore, like all, any of my friends. I like literally, she talked into like growing a handlebar mustache, which I just had for like a month. And everybody's like, what is like going? <laughs> yeah, People yeah. People were just like, you look like a shell of yourself. Right. Um, I feel guilty talking about this because m- most of it was my fault and I don't want to you know, yeah. blame the other person. No, I'm not. I, it doesn't sound like you're blaming the other person right. at, at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, part of that was after that kind of ego death and that mushroom trip was kind of like slowly rebuilding myself. And I think that was... How do you go about doing that? That was this... We did shrooms in 2007, February of 2007. And so that was now, shit, almost two years ago. But, yeah. um, oh, you mean 2017? 2017, sorry, yeah. sorry. Uh, two years ago and... From there, I slowly was like, okay, you're going to stop drinking as much. And then I did. And then like three months later, I'm like, okay, you're going to start going to the gym. And then I did. Yeah. And then three months after that, you're like, I'm going to quit smoking. And I have. I've never smoked a cigarette since like July 2017. I mean, I, I hit the jewel and shit like that. Right. But, but it's it's different. It's, it's insane different. Like I haven't smoked one yeah. cigarette. And God, I want to so bad. But yeah. I've promised myself I won't smoke another. It's just too symbolic at this point. Right. Like if I smoke another cigarette, it's like a metaphor for, you know, self-annihilation. <laughs> um, started doing that. Started like eating relatively healthy, which I've kind of dipped. Okay. So I'm doing my head of myself. Started eating <laughs> relatively healthy. Started being like uber healthy, taking vitamins, yeah. taking care of myself, journaling. And that all um, over a year that eventually culminated, I think, in me getting to a healthy enough point where I could start going to therapy. Right. Like care about myself enough that I could actually Actually. go to therapy and talk about my issues. Yeah. And so I started going in July of last year. Uh So that's a pretty recent development. And all those good habits went out the window because therapy was so emotionally intense. Yeah. It's 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 I mean, I I think that's the. Get to a place where you're okay right. emotionally, and then you got to break down a bunch of walls to, yeah. to, to build them in a healthier way. It was literally July to 
honestly like December where I think even like at my point I'm living with my brother I'm just like hey I apologize but it's a lot right now so I'm not being the best yeah friend or roommate or brother right right um you're probably not, you're probably just not going to see me this week because I don't think I can be around people right um and kind of like it finally gotten to the point where I've worked through so many of those issues and realized so many of my problems um that it's it's really it almost feels like a like it, it's, it almost feels like a miracle like how good i feel now relative to how bad i used to feel right did, because i mean i i've i've had this experience mm-hmm. did you did you not realize how bad it was while you were feeling that way i just thought it was life i right. didn't know i thought it was my life i did i definitely knew there was something wrong about me and that's right. I, I know i should say something different about me but i know there was something wrong because right I knew other people weren't constantly worried about everything. I knew people have like anxiety and stuff like that, but I know people weren't like going through life, like every interaction being like, Oh, I've just ruined everything. I've, every friend hates me now right. because I had an awkward goodbye or yeah. didn't go to a birthday party. I, mean, I, I do the same thing. We were mm-hmm. at, we were at the, we were at the, the improv and I saw you. Right. And then I, I waved and you didn't see me. I was like, Oh, maybe you just didn't see me. And then I tapped you on the shoulder and I saw you like look around, but then keep walking. I was like, "Chase <laughs> hates me. What did I do?" Yeah. And to the funny Jay, thing is, is my friend. High. Yeah, my friend just convinced me to smoke weed before coming, which is right, a bad mistake. Right. I was just like, "It's like is that Tom?" I'm like, "I fucking ah shit." That's and in my head, I'm like, "It's funny you said that because in my head, I'm like, I saw you at the corner of my eye. I'm like." Oh shit! I think I just go. Ah, oh, fuck! Tom like probably hates me now. He thinks I fucking hate. No, him. I, ne- I don't. I don't hate. It. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I thought you did, but it's a it's the same kind of. I think I we have similar catastrophizing has been something that yeah. I've been I've been working on too and right. it's it's interesting because you know you're talking about like a lot of it seems like you're you're saying a lot of these issues stem from you know you know the church and stuff right you know I'm sure there's other other things too but yeah but you know uh, and like. Do you think there's any world where if you just stayed in there fully where you'd be happier able to like is there is there a habitable way? I'm not saying this for right. all people, but for you to be in that community, yeah. you know. Yeah, you know, it's funny, like, um thank God I grew up like pretty fat and like had a complete <laughs> hatred for my body, uh-huh. honestly. Like had such a body. That was another thing that coupled on top of it, but that doesn't really fit into the religious theme. Right. Like just a body dysmorphia. Because um, I was a hot guy back in the day. I don't know if you saw those old pictures I posted no. back in the day. I was pretty hot. I was like kind of jacked and like good looking. And I just thought I was like the ugliest, most piece of shit person who ever lived. Yeah. And thank God, because there were so many women, like beautiful Christian Texas women that I could have fallen in love with and started a family that i don't want yeah with just because i was going along with what i right I, thank god nobody fucked and me. if and if that happened yeah. you, you you think you'd still be a part of it I in, am, in that world i am one hand job at 17 away from <laughs> having a completely different life <laughs> one hand job in the back of a toyota corolla and i work at a bank in midland texas and i have three kids and i'm gonna blow my brains out like in three weeks right yeah thank god nobody fucked me and that's that really would have i mean that's probably part of the 
reason uh, a lot of religions kind of promote getting married young. Oh, yeah. Is I, for that reason. Everybody got married young because they could have sex. I mean, that was the number one reason. Yeah. You know, I even have this thing in my life where I, you know, I have a lot of friends from my Christian college who I really love. You know, they're some of my best friends right. in the world. And when I go back to Texas and I see my family and I see them, you know, I have so much... That's the thing I want to get across. I have so much love for these people, and I do really. Yeah, and I hope I hope none of these questions. I, I hope here's the thing: is like just because you don't identify, just because right. you gave up part of that identity. Like I've mm-hmm. the, in the Buddhist community, right? I feel a lot of the same thing. I have nothing but love for my parents. Mm-hmm. There are people there who had incredibly good influence on me. Right. I had to leave for personal reasons where I didn't fit in. Yeah. And even though I think there are flaws in the overall beliefs i think overall they're they're genuinely good people and who have people who have affected me in positive ways or people who affect me in negative ways of Mm -hmm. course but like just because and i think that's one of the things that's hard about leaving a a a, a, you know the community or a religion or whatever it Mm -hmm. is is you don't want to hurt people you care about no no you don't and that's what makes it difficult. That's what makes it difficult to talk about because mm-hmm. you genuinely, I genuinely love people. Yes. In in the Buddhist community, right. who I think are are great, and sometimes I I fear I I feel like I can't talk to them because they want me to right. come back. You know they yeah. want you know, but them as a person, as an individual, are great people who should be listened to. And it's hard explaining that and differentiating that when you're speaking or thinking about it or right. or explaining it. But just because like. Yeah, it's 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 difficult because Mm -hmm. you you love, you you know, there's still love there. Right. Yeah, I love I love my parents and my friends and I will you know, I care about so many people in the church. And that's I mean, that's the thing is I'm always anytime I talk about that is it's so personal because it all happened to me. And there's so many emotional scars based around that stuff. So when I talk about I am I am very passionate. But that's the thing at the end of the day is like. I want people to realize like that anybody doing bad or evil or making somebody feel bad. I don't really know if there's any like really truly bad people other than complete sociopaths or serial killers. And I think I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just people in situations that make them act. You know, when I like when I come out to L.A., like I am a like a Democrat, like a registered Democrat. Um, uh, But there's so much of me that hates the fucking moralism out here in L.A., like of you know liberal type people because i don't agree with conservatives 100 percent um i don't agree with liberals 100 percent but i'm surrounded by liberals so i'm gonna get mad (laughs) (laughs) if i was in texas i'd be pissed at conservatives the whole time right Um, but just the hypocrisy of this is the way you need to act and this is the way you need to think and this is the way you need to speak it reminds me so much of the church and then i'll get really angry and i have to remind myself like these are just people in right in organizations organizations uh structures groups of people are bad uh huh. Nobody's actually bad. Everybody's just trying to be nice and get along. Right. And then sometimes a hundred people trying to get along leads to a certain specific way of getting along that isn't good to other people or people within the group. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's it's interesting because I've been I've been thinking about that a lot lately, and I think I took the group mentality to extreme where there was a long period of my life where I didn't even like the idea of having friends was like i shouldn't do that i don't want to be in a com- I, don't, I don't even want to be in a community i don't really want to yeah i mean i had friends because i also felt very lonely but i was mm-hmm. like i need to keep a certain level was this in comedy this was this was in early parts of comedy you know right. one of the reasons because i want to talk you know you know the one of the reasons i want to do this is the idea 
of of you know I don't know if all groups are bad. Like I definitely used used to 100 every organism, and I'm trying to like there's got to be a balance. You know what I mean? There's right. there's got to be a balance because I was very much is like I got if I got a certain level of close to somebody, I would remove. I mean, you went to the chameleon, right? You went, you went, you wanted to reintroduce yourself to another community, even though that community was comedy. Right. I went the, uh, I went deep into a cave. Right. <laughs> I very much became an island, and mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know, it's only, it's only really through Mean Boys where, I mean, I was part of the comedy community, but right. it was, it was very hesitant on my end, and it was really my suicide attempt right. that made me kind of like talk to people because it mm-hmm. was ended up being public. Right. And, you know, I think um, and even then I was very, very hesitant. It's really, you know, Mean Boys was the first time I'm like, I live with people Mm -hmm. that I work with. We're best friends. You know, it's it's developing that way. But I was very I mean, you can talk to them. I was very, you know, I drag my feet on the idea of being in any group, even if it's a three person group. I'm trying to get better about that because I forgot who it was that told me, but they, they, they told me. Their impression of me. This is in the L.A. comedy scene. They're like, right. yeah, my impression of you is, you're the, oh, that guy who's always alone. <laughs> and I was like, you know how many comedians are always alone? Right. I have to look so goddamn alone for that for to be someone's right impression of me. But yeah, but you did. And but but back to you, you did enter a community. Mm-hmm. And, but we, I think we just went opposite directions. Yeah. Which is so interesting because your church sounds like it is a little bit more for a community is more isolated. Right. And the the Buddhist community is very extroverted and all about, you know, there's no they're connecting with other religions. We Mm -hmm. met with other religions to have conversations about religion. It's uh, they they, you know, they saying there was I was in a Buddhist hip hop group like (laughs) like it was so extroverted. It was the complete opposite. There was a lot of open discussion. Sure. You know, it wasn't as hierarchical as mm-hmm. many religions, but I, you know, and it's interesting that yours, yeah. from a, you know, a growing up Buddhist perspective, yours was more isolated, yeah. and mine was more extroverted. I became so introverted, and you right. well, became that's probably, extroverted. I think there was a thing we that was interesting about our talk on that Fresno trip is that I think it really is, illustrates just like whatever you grow up as is. I think a healthy part of like becoming a functioning adult is being like. Fuck Re- that. Rebelling against I'm going to yeah. become the complete opposite of it. Because it was so funny. Like, I, as I got older, I got more into Buddhist shit. So as we right. started talking and before I realized how much that community kind of fucked you up. I w- and it's, it's, it's difficult because I, I, there's a lot of factors. I don't, I don't think, I don't think what it, it. It did and it didn't. I uh-huh. like there. There were there are certain things that that aggravated me. Like even since our discussion, I think it was about a year ago. Right. I've grown some perspective on like that was no one knew how to react to what I was going through. No one right. realized. You know, I felt very pressured to be a leader. No one. I don't think. You know, I, I'm sure you got this too. The pressure of being a preacher in in your right. your religion mm-hmm. at a very young age. You know, people said I was going to be a, a you know people, and I, I I was a kid. I don't even know how serious it was. The pressure of people looking at me like I'm the future leader of fucking what? Right. I don't want anything to do with you. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, I think there are different there are different you know levels of it, and I think a lot of it had to do with my mental health that I developed. Where right. Buddhism 
the main one of the big parts of Buddhism is cause and effect karma. Mm-hmm. And so when you pair that with someone who is paranoid to the point they need to be hospitalized over and over and over again, right. that everything is connected mm-hmm. and the disease is literally that you find connections that aren't there. Oh, yeah. That is a it's a bad pairing. Right. So would you have this sense of like retribution that was always coming for you? What, what do you mean by retribution? Like, did you have like in this idea of karma type thing and you being a paranoid person where you always like. Oh, I'm going to get like you would think specifically for this one thing. I am going to get severely fucked by the universe. Yeah. Well, and I was also yes. Mm -hmm. And there was also a lot of me looking a lot. A lot of bad things happened that were the the doctors could either they couldn't or just did not care to explain. Right. That I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. I was like, my God, what the fuck did I do in a different life <laughs> to deserve this? Right. Were there any, like, fan? were you like, was I Hitler or anything like that? I mean, I thought life? I was a Zodiac killer. Oh, yeah, you thought you were the Zodiac killer. But I, I thought that was this that. life. I thought I was a time traveler. So that gets separate from yeah, yeah, yeah. the religion. But I was like, right. I must have been. And I think about that, like, oh, in other lives, I must have right. been. You literally are oh. a Philip K. Dick novel. I don't know who that is. There's a Philip K. Dick. You should read this. It's a Philip K. Dick novel called Vallis uh-huh. about a guy in Orange County who thinks he's a time traveler. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's a great book. Honestly, honestly, I'm actually taking that back. You probably shouldn't read it because if you read this book, you kind of get convinced. It's the one book where if you read it, you kind of get convinced you're going insane. So I think that might honestly trick. Ma- maybe, maybe I you. should. I've I've slowly over the years slowly introduced things that used to be very triggering to right. me and and kind of a monitored place and trying mm-hmm. to you know get a trying to desensitize myself sure. from because it was it was I mean it was it was horrifying. So I don't even think you know I think it was a very extra. It was a very happy religion. It was right. all about, you know, and there was a lot of pressure and, uh, you know, I felt, and I don't even know. That's the other thing is like, I don't, I'm not even fully aware of how real that was or how much was that manifested in my brain. And I was, I was more, I was too into it. If that makes sense. I yeah. was so, I was, other kids were not taking it as seriously as me. That was the same thing for me. Yeah. And I think you're probably like me. You're an extremist where you're I gonna, am. You're going to take everything to the nth degree. Right. So you got more fucked up. It's the same thing with me where I think I, it fucked me up even more than it should have just because of right. who I am. Naturally. Right. And genuinely, I think a lot of kids are there and they are like, I don't I don't really I don't really think about this. Right. It's not I, that I do or don't believe. I just. I'm part of this community. I'm fine with this, whatever. Right. Jesus, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then there's people who genuinely believe things and, and delve into right. them. And, you know, and I, I, I think I think because of the paranoia I was dealing with, right. you know, leaving that religion, not subscribing to it was was uh, the healthiest thing to do. Yes. Because I, I, at one point I prayed six hours straight. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, there's a, isn't there kind of a thing in Buddhism where it's like, who can be the most badass Buddhist who can like punish themselves the most in the name of like divine I mean, wisdom? Here's the thing: there are thousands of different sects of Buddhism, right? So there, there are the punishment aspect really did not exist in uh-huh. in mine. What, what I did feel, once again, I don't know. I'm I'm trying. To, that's part of the reason I want to exp- do this podcast. I want to talk to people who, and not just with religion, but different communities different sure. whatever everybody's it is. a part of some community right and was. people who left it is to, is to kind of help myself piece together what do i actually believe on right. this shit what and what is me being defensive what is you know 
but in in Buddhism it was because there were, there were very uh, the, 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 that sect because there are many different sects. There's a lot of you know I think you guys call it pro- profiting or uh, pro- proselytizing. Oh yeah, pro- sharing profit- it, yeah, converting yeah. people, sharing the gospel was the phrase we always right use. Yeah. and and uh, you know uh, so it was a lot of like we have to be the happiest, we have to be the most joyous, we right. have to shine our light into other people, we have to show them. Right. Through example, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't think in a lot of lights, you know, is right. what I've learned. I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, that's not what fits for me. I'd have, you know, I'd have very dark thoughts, and uh-huh. I wanted to explore them, and sure, and I think I don't think it made them uncomfortable. They're very accepting, but it was like I don't fit in this culture, right. Yeah. Even though I think the culture does a lot of good. I've met people it's done so much good for. It's it's you know including my parents, but I right. think for me personally it was, you know, it was it was kind of, you know, I think it was not the right fit. And at some point I'll I'll get a a a, a current Buddhist right on here to talk to talk about sure about it, you know, um but yeah, what one of one of the one of the questions I, I also want to ask you because we should probably wrap it because you got to get to a you got to host a mic right at uh yeah at around uh, four thirty yeah. oh at four th- yeah, okay. yeah, so I'm not I'm not really in it I thought it was training. three uh, well, there was the lyric at three but that was canceled I was just gonna go to that and but no 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 it's at four thirty now so right we got plenty of time yeah yeah well so when you you being who you are now and you're also in and I hope I didn't ask anything that like trigger anything because you're going through therapy right. you're trying to fix sure any of that stuff well, i was literally thinking i'm like well this is great i don't have to go to therapy tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing i want to talk about this stuff i right. never want to do it in a way that makes people go fucking eh. and it's also i think it's weird when i that i'm doing this interview me and you know each other well but this right. is so different than what i do at mean boys what people know me sure for uh-huh. i think i think i think it well, it's funny. Even coming, I, I, I said when I came up to the house, I think I made a joke about Keith being fat or something. I'm like, why am I doing that? I'm like, I think it's just that I'm at the house right now, right? And you kind of come up with that, like, I'm like, okay, I got to be a meme, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I am, but I'm, yeah. I'm turning, I'm turning it down a little bit for sure. this because I'm really interested in people's experience and their, their, yeah, their stories. But what you now knowing everything you do. Mm-hmm. If you you said you were fifteen the fir- when you first when that Christian right what would you tell after after that moment was over after you started thinking about it, if you could talk to you right now yeah and it you know he wouldn't freak out and go into an existential crisis because he's meeting older you yeah. what would what would you tell you tell at me that, at fifteen yeah um if I told me at fifteen oh man there's like I'm taking it too seriously because now I want to ask so many parameter questions where I'm like, how long are we talking for? Uh, I would probably, if I had to boil it down to one sentence, it's just that everything is going to be fine. Uh-huh. Because that was the thing for so long to me was every choice that I made was the difference, could be the difference between me living eternity in heaven mm-hmm. or living eternally eternally getting raped by the devil right um so every choice had the weight of should i divorce my wife or not right um should i like you know take the kids um, right you know is this guy following to me to my car right now to kill me every right. single choice like past that level of intensity yeah, should i eat it. steak with salt today had the intensity right. of is a man going to murder me at this bar right yeah now? demons love sodium yeah yeah, yeah. Demons yes. love sodium. 
so that was the thing that I think really fucked me up more than anything else is I would have had an anxiety disorder regardless of all this. Right. Um, but to add that on top of it, and then I had like the eating disorder things and just kind of like a family that kind of bordered on like codependency. I think right. it all created this perfect whirlwind, whirlwind where every day, de- every choice was a nightmare and everything was so important. And that has been a large part of my therapy is just learning that, and it's kind of a weird thing that as I've gotten less anxious from therapy, I've almost become more depressed uh-huh. and not a bad way because it's like that gave my life meaning for so long was just being uber tense and thinking everything was the most important. And now a real freedom for me is just realizing that like, oh, something like this doesn't matter. Like nothing really. Yeah. You know, if like I'm if I'm like anxious coming here because I'm like, oh, what if I do a bad job on the podcast? It's like it doesn't really matter. It's right. Fine. It's OK. It's fine. Yeah, um, I don't think you will. Like I'm telling this to myself, I don't think you will do a bad job. But if you do, it just happens. And That's you okay. haven't done a bad job. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. the words of affirmation. But I would just tell that to my younger self. It's everything's going to be fine. Just yeah. calm down. Just take a chill pill. Um, and I don't know. You know, the hard thing for me now, I think, is how fucking bitter I can get about it because I feel like so yeah. much of my life was just stolen from me. Yeah. Like I don't. I feel like I. Like, I'm 28. I feel like the first 26 years of my life were Don't just stolen count. from yeah. me. Just gone. Just yeah. like fucking dust in the wind. Yeah. And so now that's so large. Like, I'll get so mad about, like, opportunities that I could have done, things I could have pursued, things I really wanted to do but didn't, um, that I'll get really fucking bitter. Like, I, you speak about, like, wanting to, like, have these dark thoughts and, like, you know, go down these dark avenues. That was me as a kid as well. I read right every stephen king book i read every edgar Allan poe book uh house of leaves i, I watched was, donnie darko 37 yeah, times i watched donnie darko uh every day i was like into like just weird ufo bigfoot shit conspiracy theories like in, like project paperclip mk ultra yeah all this type of stuff um and i just like i don't know i felt that made me feel like a real outsider too just being in all this stuff and like not being able to discuss it's it's weird because i almost think it's like it's what my comedy became where like most of my comedy is me just saying the most horrific thing of all time yeah like i have a bit i'm trying to work right now where it ends up i'm fucking a child in the bit right but it's like me doing it through this mask of like positivity and like earnestness right um i don't know i just feel like it's it's completely i'm i'm thankful for what it's made me become because i think it's made me a, a better person myself myself now that i'm out of the tunnel yeah but i have a real fucking bitterness that i'm like it's now i'm 28 and i feel like i've lived two years on earth right yeah yeah no i just and we 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 should wrap up but it, just because you brought it up the uh-huh. the idea of like none of it matters right and you're talking about you're just you're kind of getting to that point now mm-hmm. and and it's interesting because i always i always talk i guess i I guess I identified as a nihilist for 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 a while, even right. though I, it wasn't full nihilism. But that idea that you have to give everything no meaning in order to subscribe your own, right? Which is something I I told people. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's true? Did you have to tear it all down, or were you able to just keep it with the religion? Yeah, certainly. You know, when people like hear the term, I'm sure you know this. Like people hear the term nihil. I think we talked about this actually. Yeah. When people hear the term nihilist, they think nothing has any meaning. That's negative. And that's, yeah, that's negative. What it really means is um, nothing has any true intrinsic meaning. 
So it's up to you to give it right. its own meaning. It's right. up to you to create. I think that's more exten- existentialism. Maybe. Than anything. Yeah, I don't yeah. know the actual terms. But yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely true. And I've talked about this with my therapist. I feel like I'm tearing everything down and working through everything. And right. it's leaving me depressed so that I can build. Like the same reason I, you know, I tell you I don't ask to do shows. I don't do booking requests. I never started a podcast or anything. Was part of it was I was so worried about being perfect about everything that I could right. barely go to an open mic. Right. Um, so now that I'm kind of like tearing all this shit down, I have so many more goals and like wanting to put one. Like, you know, I wrote like a pilot and I'm starting a podcast and I'm like, you know, trying to ask to do shows and actually yeah. put myself out there and just like be more honest and, you know, sincere with people. So I feel like my life is eventually in the process of getting so much more meaning and so much more. Right. Like I will go through these periods where I'm like, oh, my life is beautiful now compared to what it used to be. Um, but it just it just varies. I think I am adding meaning to my existence, but that's going to be a couple of years. That's like a process, you know. Yeah, it's like the AA statement: "Time takes time," which is such right. a heck statement, but it's true. You, I can't rush that process. Right. It's just it's a slow process, and it's just going to happen. Yeah. Over the next couple of years. Well, and just the fact that you are aware and you know and you're okay with the fact that it's going to take a while. Right. I'm barely He's okay good. with the fact. <laughs> yeah, but even to say just just igno- right. just the way you just acknowledge it, I think that's healthy. Yeah. Because if you didn't acknowledge that way, I'd I'd think you're lying. Yeah. Not to me, to yourself. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. My ultimate I told this to my therapist, my ultimate fantasy that I will, if I'm doing badly, escape into. My ultimate fantasy is that I can somehow make myself into a robot almost, like a man who feels no emotions or needs. Mm-hmm. That's what I always wanted to be. You wanted to so, be a cyborg. I wanted to be a cyborg because right. I was so like uber the opposite that I just wanted to be the, the fucking Terminator. Uh-huh. Like I just wanted to be able to like wake up and like start working out at 6 a.m. and eat just turkey and broccoli yeah. all day and, you know, just be in control of that. I wanted to be in control of everything. Right. Yeah. And do you think you gain control by admitting you can't do that? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, this plays into definitely some addiction stuff, which I definitely struggle with. Right. Um, I have like 18 addictions that I'll just <laughs> rifle through. Uh-huh. Which they, I don't think they talk about in addiction therapy and AA and OA and all those type of stuff is like, you know, when I start when I first started going to therapy, I'm like, I think I have addiction issues. And she's like, well, what are you addicted to? I'm like, fucking name a thing dude yeah like i was like the internet i'm addicted to the internet that's not a thing nobody talks about that but there is a certain desire for me to like get on reddit and like pretend i don't exist for 18 hours straight right um or like if i you know if i put my laptop in my car and i'm not allowed to get on the internet i will start drinking more or i will start having more casual sex or like if i stop having casual sex and drinking I will start eating a lot more. Do you do you so do you think cuz this is a theory I have and I don't know if it's true or not. Do you think that because the stakes were so high for mm-hmm. morality in a religion and then you you take away the religion and you go, "Okay, well, all of that was bad." Mm-hmm. Do you sometimes go to, "All right, well, that's all bullshit, so let's find out if any of it's bad." Do you think that's part of it or um there can be with drugs. There was a little bit probably right. where I'm, I haven't taken that many drugs, but there was um, a period where I was probably taking too much acid for a second uh-huh. just because I was like, yeah, fuck, fuck, look at me taking acid and right. shit and, and this motherfucker. Uh, but no, I've always I've still been a very cautious guy about yeah. all that. stuff. It's more 
I never wanted to drink or have casual sex or smoke or eat too much. I never wanted to do any of these things. I just had to. Yeah. To get through the day, to make myself, to be able to regulate my emotions. Right. So I just didn't know. I was never allowed to, to numb ex- out. I was never allowed to experience emotions. So right. it was just like, that's a big thing is like even, I sound like a crazy person when I do it, but a big part of if I'm feeling really emotional right now, this is something I got from therapy is I will just like, if I'm in my car and I feel super sad or I get angry or I get bitter or just anything, I will just like, I will literally talk out loud. I'm like, what am I feeling right now? And I'm like, okay, I'm feeling, I'm feeling angry because this guy did this thing and it upset me. And now I'm angry that it's upsetting me so much. And I wish I was different. I'll just do that for like 30 seconds. And it's literally like, it just, you know, it's just like there's a party that has to process the emotion and get it out of your body. And I would, before that, I would just tamp it down. I'd push it down, and that would manifest itself in all these addictions. Yeah, yeah, to numb out, to you, get rid of you the feelings. Can't, you can't tamp, tamp yeah. that. Yeah, down. It, it's almost like an alcoholic when you get sober and then like you have to almost catch up on like forty years of like right. emotions coming out at once. Yeah. Yeah. Last question. Okay. All right. If someone who was part of Church of Christ said they were thinking about leaving, uh-huh. what would you tell them? If they were thinking about leaving my church? Yeah, your church. My church specifically. Um, I would hate to give them advice on whether or not to actually leave. Right. I would probably, the only thing I would tell them, I'd be like, start going to a therapist. I'd, right. Because you, you, ha- you can't, it's too hard to do on your own. You know? Yeah. A lot of these problems could have been mitigated by me going to an actual therapist when I was 19. Yeah. Um, but I just, it, there's no way that was going to happen. Um, so if anybody was thinking, like if anybody was thinking about this and thinking about leaving an organization or anything like that, I would say just start. Start with therapy. Because it's so important for somebody who grew up in that type of environment. I actually, I think that's great advice. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's uh, that's insightful advice. Yeah. That's the only thing I can give. It's like. Um, I know we're trying to wrap up, but like the only thing I've <laughs> ever been proud of doing is at my, I was part of this organization called Lene, which was a leadership organization at mm-hmm. my Christian college. And you had mentor freshmen. And in the last week of college, I was a senior. They asked you to speak and give some advice. And I just told people, I'm like, Hey, honestly, college was rough. Um, I kind of described what I described to you, you know, without the, uh, yeah. not religious anymore. Right. And uh, I just put my number up on a board and I was like, if you're having some issues, like give me a text. Um, Only one guy texted me Um, and he kind of talked me through all the shit he was going through, which was like horrific. And that was the only advice I gave him. I was just like, just start going to therapy. And um, I think that was the right advice. Um, this story just ends with me being a great person. So now no, I'm you, that no, d- 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 don't worry. You talk plenty of shit on yourself throughout right. this show. You could yeah. you could mention a, a good thing yeah. you did. That and was, I think that is good advice. And I'm glad you brought it up because I'm very I'm very anti for very different reasons. I I, I personally I'm not saying as a grand statement. I personally get very anti uh-huh. mental health establishments. Oh, I, yeah, I get it. For I totally what? Get it. Because just because of things I've been through. But I do think that you're right. And that is mm-hmm. the right. That should be the first thing and that anybody goes to for help. Yeah. And when you go to a therapist, there's such a stigma attached to it that it's going to be somebody coaching you through stuff. What it really is, is you just talking to somebody and there's like a thing about trauma specifically where um, I was reading this in a book where it's you can't really get over trauma fully without having it. 
you can't really process it without an intimate connection to another person because trauma is always related to another person for the most part, whether it mm-hmm. be you were raped as a kid or you grew up in a you know religious environment or you fucking saw somebody get blown up in Iraq right. or anything. So the only way to really process trauma, you can't process it in a singular effect. You have to like almost go to this person that you can like, you know, have a very intimate connection with and kind of process it all out. And that's what therapy is. It's me going a lot of times and just being like, Hey, here's all these things that have, here's how I really, really feel like deep in my heart. And then just being like, Hey, I'm really sorry about that. And you're just like, okay, cool. I appreciate that. Yeah. Like so much of the stuff I've learned in therapy is just me saying something out loud. There's no moment where my therapist is like, well, maybe this. And I'm like, you're right. It's like, they'll push and prod and be like, how does this like relate to this thing? And then like help you make connections. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's just like it's like journaling with another person. Yeah. Um, and it was just for me, it was necessary for other people. It might not be. But uh, it's not some like grand Freudian uh, stigma attached. To it. But I totally get your reservations. My mom worked in the mental health industry for 20 years and has seen all types of horrific stuff. So I understand. Yeah. That. Yeah. 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 No, but I think it's great advice. Thank, thanks so much for doing this, man. Yeah, You're thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah. How do you how do you feel? I feel good. I feel like okay. worn out. <laughs> like I, no, this yeah. is good. I love talking about all this stuff. Right. Um, yeah, this really is just like, this is what a, like a therapy session. <laughs> like <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's, it, I mean, the, the, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. It's, yeah, it's, right. it's interesting. Well, it's because your therapy is so based around religion is probably part of the reason. Yeah, a very big discussion group. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Now but. we're tackling food, but yeah, it's religion <laughs> a lot. But yeah, man, th- thank you. Th- you you said you don't really have uh uh you you basically said don't follow you on social media. You can follow me at Jace Avery J A Z A V E R Y. But uh, I think Nanner's time is that. Yeah, that's we're really listen, focus listen, on. listen that show. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a listen or two. Yeah, yeah. I don't listen. I don't listen to podcasts anymore. But oh, I, I do. Yeah, I do listen to friends' podcasts, at least a couple, just right. to show support and sure. stuff, and just see what they're doing and mm-hmm. see what they're. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, Jace is hilarious. F- follow him and listen to Nanner's time. All right. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Bye. Ooh. That's fun. Uh, it's almost weird to go back to.